Hey, Stu, your rent's due, motherfucker. Hey, Aries, you heard about that new uh, podcast app called Anchor? I sure did, Andy. Guess what? It's time to pay some bills. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. And they have tons of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. And we know you know about that money, Jew boy. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So go download your Anchor app now for free, or you can go to anchor.fm to get started today. Can you feel it, baby? That money? Yeah. And don't be pulling that falling down the stairs shit on me, you hear? Yo, what's up? This is the big Shaquille O'Neal. I used to be the big Shamrock, the big Cavalier. Make sure you support me and Andy Steinberg's podcast. Go to iTunes and... Yeah. Spears and Steinberg. Spears and Steinberg. Spears and Steinberg. Spears and Steinberg. On iTunes. On iTunes and rate something? Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you got to rate us. 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 We got to know what, what's, what's going on. So we, can we move up on and we get some stars on uh, on iTunes? Yeah. DMX, we need some stars on iTunes. Go to Spears and Steinberg on iTunes. Rate a motherfucker. Uh-huh. Oh, I got a live one here. <laughs> All right, all right, welcome to another episode of Spears Steinberg Podcast. Uh, This is a little bit of an emotional one, right? Yeah, well, yeah. (laughs) If I want to be real honest. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, we just got back from the Civil Rights Museum uh, and the Lorraine Motel, which is the, the used to be the Lorraine Motel, which they've turned into a museum. Uh, where Here Doct- in Memphis. In Memphis, Tennessee, uh, where Dr. King was killed. Um, you want to go first? Let me, let me go no, after I, you. You, no, you no, want no, me to I, go first? Well, yeah, I know why you want me to go first, because you feel guilty. This white guilt. You, we Dude, just, we just do I, feel, I feel guilty? If I lived in Memphis, I wouldn't even look straight into a black folk's eyes. I would, <laughs> I would avoid. But that's why you let me go first because you're like, nah, man, we just left where Dr. King was killed. You go first. No, I but no, I'm going to let you go first because trust me, I want you to go first. It, 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 it's an emotional experience from beginning to end. Right. And I mean, when we first got there, just getting out of, uh, first of all, we got dropped off kind of in the back of the place. Uh, Look, they've the dropped niggas off in the back yeah. of, the, of the place where the man fought for niggas to not be in the back no more. And, <laughs> and when we walked out of the car, and we, and we go, she goes, it's right there. And so we walk around. And as soon as you walk around and you see the, uh, Mulberry Street and, and then you see the Lorraine Hotel, you, yeah. you see it already from where you're walking around. But right. when you see it and then you start seeing the things that you've seen pictures of. Well, for me, for me just to, to piggyback. Uh, yeah, where we got dropped off or dropped off at, you clearly see the sign. Sign. And I had seen the sign before, but it was like, all right, cool, there it is, a sign. But the way you walk, when you walk, the way we walked up the side, and then you turn the corner, and now you're staring at it head on, it, it felt surreal. Like, it felt like it, 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 this wasn't real. And you know, it's like, it's, you're like, yo, that's the, that's where, 
Dr. King was killed. And it, 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 something about it felt Disneylandish, like like Disneylandish, like like an exhibit, like like it was some like it wasn't the place. It wasn't the place, but you know it's the place. But you could feel it. Was you the could place. feel it, dude. It, it it's uh, and then you know, look, there were three moments for me. Uh, and, and it's, if, for those of you who have never been there, for those of you who have, you know what I'm, you know what we're talking about. But for those of you who've never been there, if you ever come to Memphis, it, it's such a must-do because um, it's the way they have it laid out is it, is absolutely amazing. But there are there are three moments that really got me. Um, one, seeing it the first time you see it, you're like, yo, this is crazy. They got the cars still out front that were there. Uh, the day of the the murder. Then you'd look around because you'd know where the shot came from. So you turn you, you, to the other side and you just, it's, it's all coming, what you've seen in, in, in magazines or newspaper clippings on TVs and oh, documentaries. It's all right there in front of you and it's, 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 uh, it's surreal. It's surreal and a little eerie. And that was one moment. Um, the second moment that got me uh, was kind of the second thing you see on the tour the first thing you see is a bunch of black and white photos um but the second thing you see is uh the part about slavery introductory introduction to slavery introduction 101 to slavery and they got this thing set up where they got the slave the men uh all sitting in a one single file in indian style you know one in, in back of the other Underneath the ship, the way they, they 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 created it, and then they got the the, the picture of you know the uh, the slave ship and the layout and how the slaves were like sardines in a can, and they got the, the you hear the the sound of a whip being cracked and people yelling and screaming in pain. Uh, that got to me a little bit, and when I say got to me, I meant I, I, being real angry. I, 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 I it was anger, and and it was it's it's weird to be there. Like, you know, you know, you're surrounded by other black people, but there were so many white people in there. And to and to see, I'm in my mind, I'm like, yo, what are they? I know what I'm feeling right now. I know what I'm thinking. What are they thinking? What are they feeling? And and obviously, look, because they're there, uh, bravo to them, because that means they're taking a, 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 a care in the history of this country, as brutal as it was. And they're not trying to turn a blind eye. But I still would love to know what they were thinking and feeling. I I can tell you some of the things that I was feeling, but I don't know that that's what they were thinking. Digress. I was uh, I was questioning myself uh-huh. and where I would have been in the 1600s on slavery. Like where emotionally would have would have I gone along with the status quo, or would have I been able to look at it and say, well, and, and pull myself above what the situation was. I mean, I'm going to be really honest. I think that's a, an honest assessment. Like, would you just ride in what was happening in the Americans at the, Americas at the time? Would you just go, black folks are inferior, they're slaves, that's the way it is, and just keep working that way? That's what, that was my question. That's where I had to right. put my heart. Would I, would I be able to separate? Would I be able to be one of the people who, who saw it as wrong? You know, it's, it's interesting because I think that uh, obviously, you know, we know we all know racism is is taught, and it, from generation to generation, which is why we have the racist out here that we have now. So I would assume that, given that you're not racist and you're not of that ilk, 
that you wouldn't have been because otherwise it would have been handed down to you already unless somewhere along the line someone broke the cycle. Now, that being said, I also am curious because in terms of a numbers game, I mean, we obviously know that there were white people back even in slavery days who didn't believe in slavery, right. who, who, who thought it was wrong and who would help slaves escape. Um, but obviously those numbers probably were way smaller, crazy tiny. You know what I mean? So that's, uh, you know, it's an interesting thing because I'm thinking that as far as a numbers game, you probably wouldn't have been one of those people that, you know. No, I think, you know, if you grow up culturally and this is the way things are, I mean, that's the sad part. I would I, I, I don't know that I would have found myself going, oh, this is wrong. Right. I mean, I'm not talking from my perspective of today. I'm talking from back then. Back but that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Back then. Based on a numbers game, yeah. you probably would have been one of the... And that's what made me the saddest about it. To me, that's what hurt me. Right. Is that I had to come to the... To, I had to internally say to myself, yeah, this is horrible, but would have you been the exception to that rule? And I don't know. I don't, I don't know. That's the one thing. And I think that's, you know, as, as, a, white, as a person who's definitely perceived white and am white, but, you know, mm-hmm. there's some other things in there, but... I have to reckon with that. Like, will you know? And I don't think people ask themselves that question. I mean, if you if you were there, you would have been like everyone else, and you would have mm-hmm. been. It's easy right now. It's easy right now to look and see which side right. you want to be on. Right. And there's still other people that aren't, haven't even made it over to this side. But that's how. But I mean, I really I had to ask myself that question. That's the part that hurt me as a human because I, I don't know that if 1600s. We're talking about a time when you're using lanterns to light up your cabin. Right. Uh, you are, uh, you know, you're, 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 you're doing your fields with a, a mule. And, yeah. And, you know, and it's a different time. And, and I write, some people rose above that. They were smart enough to know that that was wrong. But if you grow up in it, man, I would, I would like to say that I'm so smart that I would know that that was wrong. But, God, I just feel like. You know, it, it's, uh, you know, and I've, I've seen every movie on slavery and. You know, Roots, Birth of a Nation, 12 Years a Slave, every civil rights movie, Selma, Detroit, all the documentaries, PBS's uh, Eyes on the Prize, PBS's MLK, Still I Rise. And it's just like, dude, as rough as the 60s were, slavery makes the 60s in the civil rights movement look like paradise. I mean, because just reading how, and again, based on what you've seen in the movies and the documentaries, but... Just reading on that wall how the slaves in those conditions being in the ships from traveling from Africa to here, it would take up to three months. And you're being at the bottom of a ship stacked on top of each other in the middle passage like sardines in chains. The heat festering in your own feces and, 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 and urine and people dying and the smell of death. And I didn't know that the women were kept separate from the men. And they even had a display where when the women gave birth in chains stacked on top and next to other women, the baby would come out along with the afterbirth. And you're just stewing in that. Yeah, there's no place. There's no bathrooms. There's no sanitation. And the, and the slave masters would, you know, the, the white guys on the ship would often uh, sexually assault the women. And these, these women weren't bathing. People weren't bathing. Like, what kind of savagery is that that you go, 
I'm a, not just the, the act itself, but I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fuck this person and, and with, with the stench and, and, the, and, and these conditions and Jesus Christ, man, it, it, it's, man, that's, that's something, man. That, that's, uh, you know, it's, wow. It's definitely, uh, it's definitely the, it, it was something that you had Eat to Eat your heart out, Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. This is something you had to see, though. You had to see it. You had to, like, and you said, like, the sounds that they played. Right. Kind of really, it kind of really put you in that. Right. In that situation. Uh, no, it, it, it was probably, what was the third thing, though? That well, here? that was the first thing. The second thing that got me, uh, and listen, man, this place is, and here's what's cool about it. Again, they start with slavery and the way they end it. It's designed. It's like a great story. It's designed to make you cry. And I, I had to fight it a couple times. But the second moment was uh, when they showed Dr. King give his mountaintop speech, yeah. uh, which is one of my favorite speeches. I know the most famous one is, of course, I Have a Dream. But this is one of my most favorite because uh, the, the, the fact that well, before I get into that, let me say this. So that was the second moment that kind of got me a little bit. And uh, there was these two white ladies who kind of were keeping up. We were all in the same pace and space mm-hmm. within the tour. And uh, one of the ladies said near the Petis Bridge exhibit, she goes, I hear her whisper to her friend, Jesus, what were they so afraid of? And you said something that was, it would have been cool if you would have said it to her, but you said... I said, I said, uh, what do you mean what they what they were afraid of? It's still no, going you, on. You, no, no, but you didn't word it like that. Oh, I, yeah, you, I know. you said, uh, what are they still afraid of? Yeah, what are they still afraid of? Um, and I kind of watched these two women, and I could tell one of them was getting really emotional. Uh, and then by the time they got to the part um, where Dr. King gives the mountaintop speech, one of them was just really bawling. And then from there, you go and see the inside of Dr. King's motel room. And of course they got Mahalia Jackson singing in the background. So that was, that was the third thing. So by the time you get to that part, you are fighting it. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. You, you, when you get to the room, when you're actually standing in the room. Um, and then when we left after that, you just, that's pretty much the tour. And then you go to the gift shop. And as we were getting ready to leave the gift shop, these two white women came out. And as we started to walk away, I, I, that's when I said to you, I'll be right back. And I walked up to the white woman and I said to her, you know what? I, I don't want to bother you. I just want to tell you it's, it's nice to know that some of you guys actually give a shit. And she hugged me and she wept and I kind of choked up. And uh, yeah, man. It, it just, I, I, look, I, I, and I don't want people to, you know, I don't want some of you dummies out there going, dude, we're not all fucking racist. Look, I know not all white people are racist, but as a race, you guys are known for racism. <laughs> well, we, 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 we've done it better than, than <laughs> anybody else. Right, right, right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, so so that was, that was, that was, those were the three movie moments. Now, I just want to go back a second to the mountaintop speech. And this is why Dr. King, to me, was so gangster. Because uh, he says in his speech, like, he says in his speech, uh, all I want, America, is for you to be true to what you said on paper. Um, like anybody, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place. But I'm not worried about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to get to the mountaintop. Now, I may not get there with you. But I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. 
Uh, I'm not worried about anything. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the coming of the glory of the Lord and we and, and the mountaintop. Um, and then he kind of goes to sit down, but it's almost like you could, when you watch the video, he collapses. It's, he's like, and, he's and empty. He's, he's empty. And what's so poignant about that? And I know, look, I know I'm going to get a lot of sports dudes that's going to get mad at me for this. Ridicule, get mad all you want. But I've always kind of took offense to when athletes compare what they do to war. We're going to this, this Sunday. We're going to go out in that field. It's going to be a battle. It's going to be a war. We're going to be soldiers. Shut the fuck up. All right? You're not warriors. You fucking, you're not losing your limbs, and you're not going to die playing a game. This man knew he was going to die. Martin Luther King knew death was inevitable. He knew it. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know we will get to the promised land. I'm not fearing any man. He knew death was on his knocking at his door and he, st he still moved forward. How many people knowing motherfuckers is trying to kill you and you don't go, you know what? Fuck this to, to know you're going to die and you move on. That's a warrior. The fight he fought was a war. It's almost like he knew he had to die. To right. Take this. That, that's what. That's what's amazing to me. To take it to where, like you, you, you almost like I've gone as far as I can go with you. Mm -hmm. And when he says that, I may not make it with you. Like he, like like you said, he knew mm -hmm. he wasn't going forward, but his death would allow the movement to become even bigger. Right. Right. Yeah. I just, uh, it's crazy, man. It, it was, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, and, and, uh, again, I think, I, I think that it should be required, uh, curriculum for, for, for kids to go like, like, cause you know, black history month, all we ever hear is the same shit. Dr. King, Dr. King, Dr. King. Well, if you going if all you're going to teach us is Dr. King, which we know to death, Really go all the way. I think every school in, in the month of September should be required to take a field trip from wherever you're at to Memphis and have to experience that. Now, it, I mean, our history is so much deeper than Dr. King. Right. But he's the McDonald's of the civil rights movement. You know what I mean? Malcolm X might be the Burger King and Medgar Evers is probably Church's Chicken. You know what I mean? On, on, a, on a lot lower level. But he is the Nike of, of the civil rights movement. Right. But I really, yeah, because when you go through it, they they bring up everything. They bring mm -hmm. up the uh, the art during the '60s, the uh, black artists. They bring up uh, uh, Huey Newton, and, and uh, you got the Black Panthers. And actually, they gave credit to the Black Panthers and didn't show them just as uh, what they're portrayed in a lot of uh, um, documentaries as being a, a radical group. Right. They showed the side of uh, the Panthers uh, doing the lunch program. And, and that's what a lot of people don't know. And I've seen that. I saw that PBS special on the Black uh, Panther Party. You know, everybody wants to paint them out like they're, they're just these, they were just these militant dudes who wore leather jackets and afros who carried guns and scared white people. And, and again, it's always ironic to me that racist white people or white people who don't take the time to truly educate themselves about black culture and what we stood for and what we were about only see what they want to see and totally ignore the math 
one plus one equals two. So when you go, oh, the, the Black Panthers were scary and all they wanted to do was kill the white man. And well, they wouldn't exist if the racism didn't exist. And their job, what they were doing was trying to police the police. The police, particularly in Oakland, were going around killing niggas like it was hunting season. So they got tired of the harassment and went, okay, we're going to take our amendment right to carry, to bear arms, and to protect ourselves. So you, you can't do the kind of math you want to do. You got to do the factual math. If the racism problem doesn't exist, there's no need for the Panther Party. And again, this misconception that all they were were these militant brothers, no, you just said it. And, and if you saw the documentary, they did lunch programs. They, f- they fed the children. They, they made breakfast and lunch and, and helped them with their schoolwork. After for school those, projects, Exactly, yeah. for those who couldn't afford to eat. They made sure they got three squares a day. You know what I mean? So that's, that's, that's you know, people like to comb over that shit. And, and, and oftentimes, I think, like, white paranoia and white racism wants to just see what they want to see. Learn the whole fucking picture, you know? And, and I, I don't know about you, but when we went through that museum... I wanted to steal that leather jacket in the case. No, that was a good-looking leather jacket. That, that leather jacket. Niggas was always stylish. <laughs> uh, that leather jacket was fly, man. Um, it, it, it is an experience, and everybody should go to it. If you have the opportunity, definitely go. Um, I worked my way through it. When I got down to the end, and I told you this when I was there, and it's maybe the comic in me, but walking through there and then getting you, you go through the whole thing, and then you get to the gift shop, which is the commercial area, obviously, and you're looking at some stuff there, and then I had to go to the bathroom. And I felt so bad about everything that I saw as I was walking up to the bathroom. I started laughing, just hoping that there would be a whites-only bathroom and it would be a fucked-up bathroom. It would just be the worst. You know, some reparations of some sort were paid because uh, it, it, it hurts. It hurts to go through there. As we just stated about the Black Panthers, there's concern about Black Lives Matter. And uh, it's almost the same thing that they did to the Panthers in a way, where everything that uh, they can make look negative, they have. And don't let that happen because Black Lives Matters is an important movement. And, you know, to go back a little bit, uh, the very first thing you see uh, in the exhibit is just uh, uh, you go into a room where all four walls uh, are lined with pictures, uh, mainly from the I Have a Dream speech. Um, And there's this one particular photo that caught my eye of Abraham Lincoln, the monument. And a father and son, black father and son, standing proudly in front of this monument, taking this picture of this great American hero, Abraham Lincoln. Um, I wish black people would get off this myth that Abraham Lincoln loved niggas just because he freed them. Because he didn't. That is a myth. Uh, And, you know, all the people that, you know, that will call liberals, the, the right side that call whiny liberals and call black people dumb for, for, for supporting Democrats because they say, well, you know, and I know I, I know we've kind of mentioned I mentioned this on one of the earlier podcasts. Uh, so I'll try not to repeat myself, but I, I want to say what I didn't say and go, you know, yeah, you guys are dumb because the Democrats invented, created the Ku Klux Klan. And again, it kills me that the right side acts as if they never owned slaves and, and, and there were no racist right wing politicians and judges and cops and 
you know, fucked up people on the right. And they always bring up Abraham Lincoln like, fucking Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves. You dumb fucking niggers. You over there supporting the fucking Democrats who invented KKK. Well, no, he didn't free slaves because he liked niggas. He freed slaves to save the union. It was a business decision. And, and, and here's a quote from Abraham Lincoln right here. As long as blacks continue to live with the whites, they constitute a threat to the national life. Family life may also collapse and the increase of mixed breed bastards may someday challenge the supremacy of the white man. I will say then that I am not nor ever have been in favor of bringing about in any way the social and political equality of the white and black. So black people, please stop believing that this man is like fucking St. Nick. He did. Abraham Lincoln did not like niggas. He freed him because it was a business decision, not because he truly felt black people should be free. Yeah, it was it was strategic. It was strategic. That's all it was. But there were people on the Republican Party at that time that were uh, definitely uh, for the Emancipation Proclamation. They yeah, okay, were, yeah, both yes, sides, both, both sides, both sides. No, ra- not, race, yeah. racism on the left and the right. And people who believed in doing the right thing yeah, on it, the left and the right. It wasn't exclusive to either party. Exactly. Exactly. And it, it, truth be told, on both parties, there was less people for it. Right. Then, yeah. So. Yeah. That's the honesty of it. All I'm saying, Americans, be true to what you said on paper. God, I love that damn speech. So now let's let's get to uh, what we talked about prior to coming here. Remember? Oh yeah, coming to our, the south. Our, our experience, not particularly. With chuckles, chuckles, yeah. So uh, yeah, this kind of feeds, I guess, into it, right? Yeah. What do you, you know? Was it everything I told you it was going to be? Was it everything it wasn't? I told you it was going to be. You know, it's. Uh, you know, I, I still haven't dissected it the way that I need to, but it's definitely different. Right. Uh, you were not lying. I was definitely going to uh, feel the difference in the room. Right. And how how my comedy, myself, my presence was uh, perceived right. was much different here. Uh, the only place that's been close to this, though, though I, I did not say to you, though, was uh, was it Toledo, Ohio? That we were not Toledo. Uh, where were we? That I forgot where we were. It was a uh, was a funny bone. Mm-hmm. It was up north, but that was the only place that I've ever felt this uh, out of place. Even in comedy. Right. But um, I still, I've, I've had a great time. The audiences have been uh, less than receptive. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but the people, but the, the, the small minority in the audience, and when I say small minority, I'm not talking about the white folks in the audience. I mean, the, the minority, the people who really got my comedy, really seemed to enjoy what I was doing. So I, I, I've had an interesting time. It's been a mixed. Uh, it's they mixed. stink, Andy. They're just. They Dink. It's just not as clever here. It's slow. Listen, I, you know, and listen, I've been to other parts of the South. Nashville is pretty cool. Uh, Zany's in Nashville. Uh, and I don't want to shit where I eat. I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a East, Co- East Coast people just have a, a, a quickness about them. And, and you know, uh, I, th- I think because life is a little bit slower here, certain things they don't get. I don't know if I, I don't know if it's because I talk too fast. I, I don't know if my energy is. We were both told we talk too fast. But I, I, I think it's a mixture of I talk too fast and too. Uh, I'm too 
grammatically correct. <laughs> if I hear one more nigga say where they is, it's where are they? Not where they is. A girl bought a CD for me the other night and her friend go her friend goes, Well, let me make sure I'm saying this right. What how much that CD, what that what that C D called? Well, the correct way to say it, say it is, how much was that CD? That's how much that CD was. How much that CD? Yeah, that was. How much that CD was? Black people, we got to tighten up. <laughs> we got to tighten up. And you guys get mad at Denzel, and and I, I know right now I can't. I shouldn't use Bill Cosby as any type of uh, moral compass. Compass, but <laughs> he still was right. You know, we we, we, we got to do better. We we really got to do better. Um, and listen, I get it. You know, a lot of these a lot of these black folks out here they grow up in very poor conditions, under poor conditions, and uh, don't have a lot of money, uh, so they don't have access to the best education. But that still that still doesn't excuse personal responsibility. You know, if if if, if you're a mom or a dad and you got a child, uh, you know, tighten up. You could say whatever. They got to go out into the world, and and when they go out into that world, and and I and I know some of y'all might be thinking, who give a shit what other who gives a shit what other people think? You you shouldn't give a shit about what other people think to a degree, to a degree. But if you're trying to make it in business, it, what what position do you think you're going to hold in a business when you go where they is? We got to find the clients. They were outside a second ago. Do you see them, Terrell? I don't see him. Where he is? That CD, what that go? What the, what the, how much a CD was? You could say whatever you want about black folks. I just got through the Civil Rights Museum. <laughs> I'm talking about, I'm going to be talking about myself on this one. Yeah, you can, I, for me right now, my, my white guilt is swole. It is. <laughs> <laughs> you swollen. <laughs> I'm just saying, man. I, look, I'm just saying, I, you know, I got love for the South. I really do. The food here is amazing. And the women are so thick. But God damn it, I, I just... You know, listen, man, I come from that place where, you know, we, 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 we play tongue tennis. You know what I mean? So when we spit game or when we talk, you know, we, 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 we Serena Williams and that motherfucker. We, you know, we, we hit you with a 90 mile per hour serve and you got to be able to swing back, you know, and, and just I just feel like because I've, I've been doing comedy so long and I've and I've done it all over the country and certain other parts of the world. And, and I just there's a difference. There just is a difference with an East Coast audience and a West Coast audience versus the South. Yeah, if we say it that way, I'll, I'll fully support that. It's, it's, I don't, it, you know, they don't get things here, little subtle things that are important to a joke and that are funny. It might not be the bulk of the joke, the meat of the joke, the big boom boom, but along the way, there are things being said that need to be laughed at. They're tickling the funny bone. They're, on they're the tickling way. the funny bone on the way, and these guys don't get that. It, it goes, it goes right past them. They need, they get the big punch, and that's about the big. It. You, and, and it's got to be. It's like it's like uh, easy fast food. Some of this comedy, they got. It's got to be straight ninety nine cent whoppers. Easy access. Anything with some complexity, it, it just you, you lose them a little bit. But even the name chuckles doesn't. Sound like big laughter to me. Chuckles are like, ha ha. Well, then change the fucking name to Gutbusters. <laughs> yeah, because uh, that's what they do. They do a lot of chuckling, a lot of ha ha. Next joke. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, look, man. Um, I, and when I said they, I just want to make sure you understand. It's people <laughs> at the club, not they. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna white guilt this to death. I got you. Um, listen, man. Uh, there's a mentality that comes with where you're from, how you grew up, yeah. the conditions in which you grew up. There's a mentality. Well, we did press, and they talked about that here too. Yeah, 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 yeah. There's a mentality. You know, I touched upon this on my Vlad TV interview. You know, there are different types of niggas in this world. There's the hardcore niggas. It's just straight niggas. I mean, gold teeth. Uh, we saw pants, a lot of grills. Saw pants, some grills like this weekend. Pants sagging, do rag do rag wearing. Where they is? What that? See how much that CD was? Drug dealer. Like there's niggers, and they, that's all they know how to be because that's all they are, they are. And then there are the black people who I like to say when I fuck with people in the crowd, you know, and you see me do this on stage. To a white person, I go, look, you need to understand the difference between me and this nigga right here. And I'm pointing to a black guy in the crowd. We both black. We both proud black men. But I'm the Huxtables. That's good times. <laughs> like, and then there are those black people that, you know, well-to-do, grew up with certain kind of education, some money in their pocket, family structure. And uh, they're like the Huxtables. That don't make them any less black. They just, you know, they 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 on the other side. And that's who they are. That's all they ever going to be. And then you got, like... The magical niggas like Will Smith, who can be both. And, and I'm, I'm saying that to say Will is every bit authentically black. He's from streets of Philly. Will's a real nigga. But he also, also knows how to be at a banquet hall full of white people in suits and tuxedos and ties and gowns and conduct himself just the same as he always has. And he, it's not like he, oh, he's trying to be white now. No, he's still, he's still legit black man. But he ain't DMX. You know what I mean? Both right. are black men. Both are proud black men. Right. But he knows how to walk that line between Will can go in the hood and the niggas will love him and respect him. But he could also be in the suburbs and nobody will think less of him. He's that magical Negro. He's like a leprechaun. This nigga's magic to be able to do that. Not, not everybody has that ability. So I, I like to think that I, I kind of have that ability. Now, now, granted, there's certain parts of the ghetto I won't go to only because I have common sense. Yeah, I can hang around some street niggas and it's not a facade. I'm not putting it on. I, and then I can go be around, you know, some black folks that have lawns and backyards and, you know, white neighbors and chill there, too, without seeming like I'm trying to be Carlton from the Fresh Prince. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's uh, but this this place here, though, Memphis itself really lets you see all sides, all facets of life. And I'm not talking just about even black folks. The white folks here, there's, the white folks here are not the same as on the East Coast either. Yeah. They're slower. They're... Yeah. I mean, the South, the South is just, not to try to feed into the stereotype, but it's, it's slow. It's a slow pace. It's a relaxed pace. That's a better way of saying than slow. They're relaxed. <laughs> I'm trying to be the nicer one on this podcast. Oh, niggas is slow. It's a relaxed atmosphere. Okay, relaxed. Yeah, okay. But uh, you warned me about chuckles, and you were right. It, it was, it was right. I told you, man. I just, you know, uh, this is, this is just, you know, 
it's it's a it's a weird thing, man. It's it's a weird thing. And again, I know the joke. You know, obviously, I have some jokes that I do that works, but it's the the shit they really respond to is the easy shit. When I you know when I do some of the shit that start provoking and it's a little bit complex, you know, you can see it in their faces. It's like I'm talking Arabic. Well, I've never had a, I haven't had a set this week that hit all on the same things. So I mean, my the people listening to me, I know that I have set out, I did my set the same. Right. And the only time that it's really gotten uh, responses are different jokes each time. A different joke, not always the same joke hits. And so it's, I don't know why it's hitting in different places. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I have delivered something different. But then last night, the joke that hasn't hit all weekend hit. And then the stuff that was working for the best, most of the part, didn't hit at all. Yeah, it's, it's I don't know, man. It's, uh, I can't wait to get the fuck out of town. Dude, but you know, it, it, it's in me that I want to conquer this room. I, I mean, I want to win, and I know I'm not going to. But I mean, in in me, yeah, well, that's the that's the thing that I want to be able to do any room at any time. I want to walk into any place and be able to do it. Right. Well, you f- you want to win every fight, uh, but then there comes a point where you just go, "This motherfucker's got my number." Yeah, but some rooms you're you're okay with taking a draw. I'm really like I want to win. I mean, just because I know that I really have no shot, it's right. it's like I really want to put the effort in, mm-hmm. and like I'd come back here just just to do it again, even though this is. I mean, out of all the rooms I've ever done, this is the room that's beat me up the most. Mm. And tonight's going to be a motherfucker because it's Sunday. And Sundays always tend to be uh, relaxed. Relaxed. Yeah. Um, So we'll see, man. Right now, I think the record is we're three and two out of six shows. So if tonight is the L that I think it's going to be, we'll (laughs) leave here with a split. (laughs) Well, your split's way better than mine. I, I I mean there, there's been moments where I didn't think like I was I, I never felt like I was going to get off the stage and actually yeah. when one person told me that I should that's when I was I would have doubled down and if you would let me do 45 minutes I probably would have done it just to just to get back at them but uh, yeah it's going to be interesting tonight we'll go with that you know it's, 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 it, as as I've always said to you uh, and and I'll tell any audience. You know, when what we do is fun, it ain't a job. It's the greatest thing in the world. It's the greatest thing in the world. But when it ain't fun, it's a fucking job. And the part that really stinks is when you know, and you know, 40 seconds in, what what kind of night it's going to be. That's like if you, like Holyfield, like when when, when you would watch a Holyfield fight, or better yet, when Tyson fought Holyfield. I was at both Tyson Holyfields. The first one in the ear biting, but the first one, and you saw Mike hit this motherfucker with a couple good shots, and Holyfield kind of shook it off, and it's at that moment Mike had to go, oh shit, this about to be a fight. At thirty seconds in, dude, and 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 when that first joke that I know is a killer, yeah, gives me the Holyfield response. You'll see. You'll see me put the towel. Then, of course, the audience don't know. Yeah. But you'll see me put the towel on my face, like I'm wiping my face, and I'll pull. I'll pull the mic away from my mouth so they can't hear it. Plus, I'm muffling myself with the towel. But I'm saying to myself, "Oh, these niggas." Here the fuck we go. No, uh, when you're shouting out words to me, Andy. Yeah, I shouted it out to you. I said, like when I did the huh joke. Yeah. Because the fat girl walked by and I did the biggie noise and they fell out. 
That's when I looked to you with a look of disgust and went, see, the easy shit. Yeah. They like the easy shit, man. A lot of people like the easy shit, though. Nah, but again, don't do not do that. Because when, like, when we were talking at the bar last night to that dude, and you said, I forget exactly what you said, but no, a lot of people, a lot of people respect, a lot of people respect the creativity the the wittiness the craft of comedy the craft of comedy you know uh all the top comedians are guys that have that that kind of game right and i agree with you all the best have that kind of game but the non comic centric people they just want to laugh they don't they're not smart enough to even know why but listen everybody just wants to laugh that's the whole point of what we do is to that is the objective to make you laugh but the great ones and the ones that are most respected are the ones that can make you laugh with some truth in the in the in the dish, yeah, with just, some honesty or, or, or some 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 wittiness in the in the in the in the dish. Right. Not just the dish, I like but it how be, it's seasoned. Right. I like it to be served with a little bit of pain. Yeah, man. Some honesty, some pain, some something that makes you think a little bit. Something that you go, oh, I see what he did there. Yo, that, yeah, that was smart. Or, you know, yeah. the, 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 the whole creativity and all of the things that go into making this dish what it needs to be. You know, uh, Carrot Top can make you laugh, you know, uh, and that's as simple as it gets. So, yeah, if that's the objective, okay, he's accomplished the objective. But I don't want TV dinner right. comedy. That's TV dinner comedy. I don't want frozen dinner comedy, you know, uh, you know and, and don't get me wrong. A good, a good, you know, a good Whataburger joke is great sometimes. A fast food joke is great sometimes. But, you know, that Ruth Chris shit, that, that, that a la carte shit, that, that, one, that shit where you look at your bill and go, oh, what have I done? That, uh, that comedy is, 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 is the best. Yeah, because you, 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 when you have, like, a great meal, you think about that meal for days. Yeah. When you have, and it's special. Yeah. When, when, when you go to Ruth Chris and Mr. Chow's, that's special. You don't just take any, you don't take your side piece to that. You take the picture, you try to make your wife to that shit. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that, but that's just, we're in a different city. Yeah, well, that's it's not, relaxed. That's, that's it's not, relaxed. It's relaxed, and it's not as important here. Yeah, it's relaxed. So our, our, our opinions on stuff isn't, as long as it's funny, that's all they care about. Where they is. What does he, what, how much does he really want? How much does he want? But I'll tell you this about the city that was kind of interesting. They haven't, uh, when you said $25 for a CD or I said $25 for a T-shirt, right. they didn't freak out like in Kansas City they did. In Kansas City, you would have thought I was asking for a million dollars for a T-shirt. I mean, well, you know, some places are cheaper than others. Uh, so at least they're not cheap? Dude, I've made more money in pictures than CDs, and that's unheard of. Yeah, well. That's unheard of. They want to keep the memory. <sighs> Why would a picture be more valuable than something you could play in your car on a long drive or when your friends come over and y'all all want to laugh? Here's what a picture does. Did I tell you what I saw last week? No. Look. Okay. Next. <laughs> that moment lasts for eight seconds. Yeah. But they're starstruck by your fame. All right. How it's much time we got? It's 533. We started at 448. So we should get into this comedy thing. Yeah. Uh, the list, right? Yeah. Our personal list. Our personal list. Do you have your list? Uh, I, I remember where we left off. Um, I told you my list is short, man. You, your list is short. Okay, so if we want to get into the list. I think I have mine right here. Oh, my. Look how. Look. 
That's your list? That's my list. Let me see this shit. There's honorable mentions this in there. This is a fucking menu. I know. Jesus. I had a hard time with my list. And how, how, how deep does this go? Well, there's honorable mentions. I think I went to 30. Oh, my God. I, my give, list is not that long. I'm not going to give you all 30. That's why. Where, where do you want to start at? Uh, number one. Number one, we're going to go backwards. And we're going to go. Because that, that posts the whole list. that long, okay. man. All right. Well, let's see if we match up then at all least. Right. Okay. So my number one is Richard Pryor. This is so fucking hard for me. For nostalgia's sake, I'll say Richard Pryor. It's not just nostalgia. That's no, like, no, no. It's not just nostalgia, but based on who he is, who he was, what he did, the time he did it, the length he did it, um, you got to give him that respect. You, you just got to give it to him. You have to. That, that joke, cops don't kill cars. He cops was, kill niggars. He was doing social injustice yeah. in yeah. comedy. Yeah. I, I mean... His the joke that he does about when I look back at at him, I realize I should have known that I wanted to do comedy. I just wasn't. I just didn't get it. But right. that, but that that have, his album is more influential than on me than anyone else. Right. But and and see and how you said that again. I recognize. My, I mean, Mike Tyson was my era. I was born in seventy five. I was an eighties dude, but I would give Ali the nod over him. Because it's Ali, and and for the same reason as Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy was my era. You know what I'm saying? I'm an Eddie Murphy dude, but the reason I won't put Eddie at number one is because Richard's the godfather. Yeah. There is no Eddie without Rich, so he's number one. I, I bet our number twos are going to be different. You have to go first on number two. Oh, I just said it. Eddie Murphy. Uh-huh. That's on my number two. Why? Um, Who? Dave Chappelle. And see, this is where I had problems because... I, that's why, I went, again, when people say, what's your Mount Rushmore comedy? I always say not including Richard, Eddie. Right. And, you know, the, God, the, the gods, the Mount Olympus. These guys are. But that's fair. Um, but I got to give it to. Well, why? Why for me? Because uh, and, and, and this is this is my uh, why I, I, I look at uh, why people like try to put Kobe as number one in basketball or number mm-hmm. two. And I wouldn't ever give Kobe number two because he was Jordan in a way. It was mm-hmm. it was Jordan, and then Kobe played a game like Jordan. So my number my number two would always be LeBron, and then Kobe, maybe Kobe. I don't even know if I'd put him at number three yet. But what my my point is, he modeled his game after someone else. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't feel like Chappelle's modeled his game after anyone. Chappelle's game is Chappelle, a hundred percent different. It's different. I mean, it's different than Richard. <coughs> Where, where Eddie feels still somewhat, he, he, well, it was different than Richard, but it, it still felt like I, I could I could see the correlation between the two. I could see mm-hmm. the, I, I could see how it touches each other. Mm-hmm. But Chappelle doesn't. I don't feel that with anybody. Right. Um, for me, it's Eddie Murphy. Now I know stand-up wise, you know Eddie's done two specials, you know Delirious and Raw. Um. But in terms of his sheer talent level, um, and, and what's remarkable is when you look at Richard's catalog of comedy, he, he outweighs Eddie by a million. So many specials. Yeah. But it's the opposite in terms of box office success. Right. Eddie Murphy has been a major box office star for decades. You know, 
And, you know, some people will say, hey, they'll bring up the, the flops. And uh, Eddie had a stretch where he kind of – the star didn't burn as bright. But, goddamn, you can't stay that no. hot forever. Kevin Hart's going to cool off at some point. No one stays that hot forever. But still, for Eddie to have been around, been around that long with that kind of box office success, then on top of that, again, like Michael Jordan, there was no weakness to his game. He, he Eddie killed it on TV – SNL killed it in the movies, killed it on stage. Uh, he killed it in every facet of, of entertainment, except music. Yeah, but okay. Well, he, he did have a hit song. Which one? Put your mouth on me, or or uh, party bo- all the time? Or not boogie in the butt? No, party all the time. Boogie in the butt, butt. Put the boogie in your butt, butt. Boogie <laughs> in your butt. Um, <laughs> but but but. Pryor, though, on, and, and getting, you know, just on how you level this out between uh, Murphy and Pryor. Pryor also had a television show he had no business having at that time. That kind of show that he had. And, and people have to go back and see this. And I'm going to tell you something. The Richard Pryor show, yeah, you mean? Yeah. That kind of felt like it was the Chappelle show before, before the Chappelle, Chappelle show. show. That's how it was so far advanced. Right. And his and, and don't and don't forget when Pryor hit with Silver Streak when he first came out. Mm-hmm. I mean, Pryor, Pryor hit before... I mean, I'm just going to say it the way it is. Before a black dude was supposed to hit like that. Well, he he right and and because uh, look, there were black dudes kind of before him or around with him. Right, Flip Wilson, uh, and they just didn't get you know what I mean. They didn't yeah. get that 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 spot he got. No, because they had a like Flip Wilson had a show that was that was that was Flip Wilson, and it, it worked. Mm-hmm. And but where were you going to go with that? That wasn't going to. It was it was a variety show. It right. was a good show, but. I mean, it was playing to it was playing to a, a mixed audience at best. It was right. for white folks. Right. Priors wasn't. Priors wasn't just. No, Priors was raw, and he so so raw they canned him. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, or yeah, I guess the, it was an agreement. Oh, he kind of he he almost canned himself, Self. but they canned him though. Okay. Yeah. But so so that's that's where my Priors number one, my and like again, my Chappelle is number two because of that. Right. And then my number three though, and I, I know you haven't got to three yet, is Eddie Murphy. So we're in the same. Right, we just mix and match it. Yeah, because my number three now is Dave Chappelle. Okay, so we're right, just for different. And reasons. like I said, Dave is like jazz music, man. That motherfucker just flows and is smooth and takes his time and is a fucking mental genius. Uh, so then, who's your number four? Oh, Patrice. See, I gave it to Chris Rock over Patrice O'Neill. Yeah, I'll tell you why. You fucking insane. I'll tell you why. Go ahead, because it's the one album. What do you mean? It's only Patrice only had the one album. That's well, why. I beg your pardon, sir. You took my elephant in the room. Yeah, yeah. But before that, he had the HBO special right. half hour. He had the Comedy Central half hour. He had a uh, uh, his 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 uh, fifteen minutes on Def Jam. But his his hour, the, the the elephant in the room, was the big. It was the big, the big one. It was the one that finally got the most attention. Yeah. But he, but that don't take away from the fact that. That motherfucker always had a George Foreman punch. I'm not. I'm not going to deny. Like I want to put him. Right. Okay. I'm gonna. I'm not going to tell you where I put him, but I wrote one more hour close to Elephant in the Room, and I'm giving him number two, which is tough for me to do. Because, but he's, but that that doesn't exist. I know. I mean, if if it was even close to it, but I don't know if it would have been close. So and, and, I, and, and, I, I and still it, put Chris Rock. Uh, that's where I was. What are you, you going to tell me? Chris Rock is is not worthy of being number four? No, no. He's, of course he is. I, I just. I, I can't see him over Patrice, though. 
I, I just Chris Rock even said one time on an Opie and Anthony video, uh, to Patrice, dude, who's doing comedy better than you? He put Patrice before him. He yeah. said, who's doing comedy better than you? Dude, I would love to have seen it. Well, I can tell you right now, without a doubt, if you go to watch Rough Crowds and then you, if you would imagine Chris Rock on a Rough Crowds, he wouldn't hold up to Patrice. I don't think anybody could hold up to Patrice. And listen, I, I, I say this like I'm a relative of Patrice trying to keep his memory alive. And, and you know, Patrice knew of me. I obviously knew of, knew of him, but by no means were we, hey, that's my nigga. You know, not because there was a beef or anything. It just, we, we didn't come up in the same circle. But, uh, People, you, Patrice O'Neill, YouTube him. Check out all his Opie and Anthony interviews. Go look at the Tough Crowd with Colin Quinn clips. Uh, and there's a there's a compilation one where I think it's like 20 minutes long where he's just destroying everybody. That man was a fucking heavyweight. And the and if Richard and Eddie didn't exist, he would be my one B. Chappelle would be one A. He'd be one B. Um, he is he is neck and neck with Chappelle, and his style was definitely original. The way that he how he goes in, mm -hmm. but uh, I saw him live too, and it was an amazing thing to see Patrice. I'm so fortunate that I got to go see him mm -hmm. live, and yeah. it was an unbelievable. It was it was unbelievable. Yeah. But I still gave Chris Rock number four because I just his albums, mm -hmm. not his movies. <laughs> Chris Rock was well, you know. He was never a movie star. No, but the Chris Rock, Rock show was groundbreaking, though, in itself on HBO. I Listen, I take my hat off to Chris's genius. Uh, Chris is a genius writer. Uh, genius. But he don't move me like that. No, like, he don't make me laugh, but I recognize the genius. And the show, I, I, Go ahead. Go, no, the show he had when he, about him growing up, what was I forgot the name of the show. Everybody Hates Chris. Everybody. It's actually, if you watch it, it's a really good show. Yeah, I just nah, I'm not into Chris like that. I yeah. think his brother Tony's funnier. Dude, I love Tony Rock, man. That yeah, I, I prefer Tony. So fun to watch yeah. do comedy. Yeah, but that's a, that's another one. So you get so your number four is Patrice. Right. I'm I'm at Chris Rock. What? Who's your number five? Because you, me and you are going to so disagree on number five. Um, Tommy Davidson. You know this is fair because you're Tommy Davidson one, and then mine. Is going to be completely opposite. Okay, but it feel it, it's suited to be five for our personal taste. David Tell, <laughs> I know that's your guy, man. Dude, I just love his style of doing comedy right, and right. how fast he is, how quick he is. Fast. Tommy is the fucking, you know, the Energizer Bunny on cocaine. <sighs> I know. I knew we were going to be completely different on that one. Yeah, yeah. Tommy, I, I've seen Tommy live, man. I've worked with him. Uh, I've never that seen dude, that, that dude is an animal on stage. I mean, he he goes up there like he's like he still wants it, like like he's just starting out. You know, he's like he's hungry, but he's a veteran now. He's he's got he's a for veteran to be that hungry still. So he's just a force on. He's stage. a force on stage, man. And, and to this day, um, two of my favorite bits by Tommy. Ever. And this is what I mean when I say the creativity of comedy, the ingredients, not just the dish, but the seasoning. You go back and look at that. I forget what special it was when he did the square dancing. That's one of them bits where you just go, God damn, I wish I, I, I did that. And then the one that he did 
where uh, we were both on the Shaq's All Star Comedy Jam, uh, all, the whole Spanish bit about the Telemundo oh, yeah, and yeah, the I Spanish soap opera, the singing, the, the the fact that he can sing, hold them notes, hit them notes. He knows Spanish. Man, that's one of the greatest performances ever. Tommy, Tommy, number five for me. All right, who's your six? Now, after six, it's going to really get to where I got nothing. Uh, but Bill Burr. That's my number six, Bill Burr. Yeah, Billy Burr. That was easy. Yeah. Uh, funny, funny fucking guy, man. Witty, quick, uh, scathing. Just nice. Billy's nice. He's so angry. But it's that right kind of anger. Yeah, he's so angry, but about so about everything. Right. It's it, 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 I had a fortunate experience where I got to be around him for a lunch, mm-hmm. and it was just so fun to watch him hate everything. Right. And you kind of did a halfway decent burr. Yeah. Well, I, I can't do it though. So. <laughs> I, I don't have an ear. Like I don't have the ear. I don't hear it right. Right. All right. So uh, you number seven. This is where I'm running dry. I don't, I don't really, I, I couldn't get past, you know. Is this where you're done? This is where I'm done because everybody else to me, like to try to go, well, he should be number seven when I feel like they're all in the same number. Okay, well, you know, uh, I'll tell you who my number seven is because that, that's on your list is, is Patrice. I put him at seven. I should slap the shit out you. Dude, I just, he had How the to... fuck do you put him at seven? He's got to be in the top five of pure ability. Again, that's like Biggie. Biggie only had two albums. But you could tell that this nigga's skill level was far superior to everybody in the game. I'm not disagreeing. All I'm saying is he had the one. Um, you so I put can't him at seven. do that, man. Seven. That's blasphemous. Look at all the more. Everybody else is building up more work. The only one who isn't doing more work right now is Richard Pryor. Let me ask you a question. If, if Patrice was alive today. He don't beat all them people on that list, maybe except Chappelle. Like I and said. not counting Richard and Eddie. Richard's gone, obviously, right. and Eddie doesn't even do stand-up no more. So really, he ain't better than Attell? If he's alive today. He ain't right there with, if, with, 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 if he's, with Dave? If he's alive today and he puts out another album and it's, it, it's even half of what Elephant in the Room was, yeah, he's better. Okay, so why just because he only had the one joint when you know if he was around today... He would be a monster because he, he's going to evolve. He's going to get better with the Trump shit and everything else that's going on in the world. Are you kidding me? I would love for him to be here. Should have fucking taken his medication properly. <sighs> he robbed that's us. Crazy. He robbed us. <laughs> that's crazy. So you don't have a you don't have an eight, nine or ten. I'll, I'll give you my eight, nine and ten then. All right. And then this is perfect, too, because I'm, I'm glad I'm out because we we're at the hour. We're mark. out of our time. Yeah. Uh, eight for me is Louis C.K. Mm-hmm. Uh, nine is Bernie Mac. Mm-hmm. And uh, ten, I put George Carlin, Carlin. And not because I wanted to put him at ten. I just felt disrespectful not putting him in my top ten. Right. I felt disrespectful. I like I love Carlin, but he doesn't move me in the same way. But and I, uh, tell over Bernie Mac. Dude, I love it. I just love watching the television. <laughs> you didn't even put Bernie Mac on the That's list. All I could do, dude. Um, Matt Mac has the greatest. I, I swear to God, and I love when when comics tell me I can't do five minutes of comedy or I can't do but that Def Jam comedy. The the, the I ain't scared the, of you, motherfuckers. That is the greatest five. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you talk about a set that is going to kill and make you, right. if you could only do five minutes, 
Right. You were, that is the number one comic in the world if it was for five minutes only. Got you. That, that, was, that was the greatest five minutes of comedy I've ever seen. Right. There it is. That's my list, brother. Everybody else to me is, you know. Okay, well, then let me ask you about a couple of people before we get out of this that, yeah. that I think that you would, would, would pull towards. Uh, you don't think uh, – so Bill Cosby doesn't come up anywhere. You, we've talked about Cosby. Yeah. He doesn't move you that way. He doesn't move me that way. But, I, again, I recognize the genius. I want to ask you about Greg Giraldo. Listen, and I don't want to – because I don't want – please, I don't want this to come off like I'm hating because I'm not – um, comedy subjective. What you like is what you like. What tickles your funny bone tickles your funny bone, and what don't don't. And that just uh, moved you. Yeah, Greg just didn't comically. Uh, you're funny. All these guys are funny. And remember, the objective is to be funny. So I don't care how what your degree of funny is. If you carrot top and you about props, if you're a ventriloquist, uh, if, if whatever. Um, as long as you make people laugh, man, you are doing your job. You are funny. But again, it's subjective. Dice didn't move you when you were younger? Yeah, but for the, all the reasons that kids are moved by people like Dice. You fucking whore. Oh, suck my dick. You know, we all like that. That Jim, kind of shit. Jim Carrey. Didn't, I only, I, you know, I've only seen him do stand-up in that one clip. Um, but a juggernaut in terms of film and TV and yeah. ability. He, he, he actually was a great comic when he did comedy. Yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, and since I didn't, we didn't mention one female on this list. I would like to at least uh, bring up Joan Rivers. Nothing, nothing, nothing there when she was doing the talk show. Nothing. What about uh, Roseanne Barr? No. All right. At least I mentioned. Her. So Red Fox didn't do it, or Rodney Dangerfield didn't do anything for it. I, I tell you, my wife. <laughs> I don't be no respect at all. My wife. Um. Again, man. That's why I'm saying my list is only. Six deep. You put it for the people that actually moved you. Like, mentally like, like move me. That make me okay. go, yo. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. I have, a, I have a list that we can do next week, though. Also, with the, uh, I put my, uh, I think I have seven of the upcomers to see if you like any of these guys. Upcomers? Guys. Yeah. Give me two. Let me hear two. Hannibal Burris. Give me another one. Uh, Gerard Carmichael. Give me another one. No, we're done. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, like I said, uh, we, we are in Memphis. We got one more show tonight. We're going to go out and do that. Uh, if you uh, like this podcast, please go on to iTunes, uh, download us, and then rate us. We need the ratings so that we can get, keep this going. Um, and you can also uh, find me at andycomedy.com, and then all my social media is on there. I really like Instagram is where I'm leaning towards right now, so if you guys would uh, follow me on that, that would be awesome. Aries? You know the business. Uh, Aries Spears, Twitter, Aries Spears Official. Instagram, Facebook, Aries Spears, Pandora, Aries Spears. YouTube, Aries Spears. Hit the subscribe button. Uh, I think that's it. His is all Aries Spears because he has a manager and shit like that that made sure he did it right. Mine's all over the place. Uh, uh, uh. Where is? Did you like uh, Uncle Lou's? Uncle Lou's Fried Chicken. Yeah, yo, if y'all ever come to Memphis, uh, this is one of my one of my spots. Uh, I saw him one of my favorite shows, Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. Uncle Lou's Hot Fried Chicken. He takes the chicken and he literally soaks it and drowns it in hot sauce. Uh... 
And Uncle Lou's a character, man. He sounds like he drinks the hot grease. Hey, well, now, Uncle Lou, I may be the jiggy you want. I get the jiggy. Would you want a breath? Would you want a, wing, a leg? This nigga's voice really sounds like that. Um, he sounds like LeVar, LeVar Crawford's lost brother. <laughs> right, right. Uh, I'd hate to see them t- trying to work an order out together. Oh, goodness. They had those two voices. Uh, what that chicken go- pay for? What do, what do you chicken? What did, how about the album move? Come check us out. Uh, where we, we're oh, we're going to be in... Uh, Ontario next week. Ontario, California at the Improv. So uh, come show some love. And that's enough of us. Have a good night. What do you...